Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I appreciate the intentionality of the handshake. I do want to mention a couple things to you before uh, I jump in this morning uh, and, and start part four of um, Kingdom Culture. I do want to mention to you that December the 5th, everybody say December the 5th, Christmas offering. Let's say that again. Say December the 5th, Christmas offering. And so we take up a special offering every year at Christmas just to say, hey, Lord, you have our hearts during this season in the midst of buying gifts for everyone. We want to offer something to you. And so I, I said this last week. I will say it every week moving forward. Just ask the Lord what he would have you give and just be obedient. Um, also, Culture and Connect is the last Sunday of every month. And so if you want to know more about Hope Unlimited, if you want to get plugged into a team, if you want to know uh, just who we are as a church, you need to come to Culture and Connect. It'll be happening next week, say October the 31st, right after service. Praise God. Well, this morning I have uh, part four of Kingdom Culture, and I want you to just go ahead and announce my sermon title to your neighbor this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, get your buckets. Say it again. Say, get your buckets. We have been in a series called Kingdom Culture, and I have loved this simply because I believe that we live in a time, especially in our country and in our world, amongst believers, where there seems to be literally no difference between people who are born again into the kingdom of God and people who are not. Right. There seems to be no difference. There seems to be that you cannot distinguish um, Christians apart from anybody else. And when I read in the Bible, everything but that tells me that it should be the opposite. You should be distinguished. You should be set apart. There should be something different about you. Not that condemns the world, but a safe place that the world runs to. Right. And so it's not, it's not that you're set apart because you are more holy. It's that your holiness is so attractive that people have to have some of it, right? And so I'm not going to preach on holiness this morning, but I thought about it. Um, last week and every week, we have said something like that. We are called to be distinguished. We are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. We are called to not be in the culture, we are called to transform the culture with the culture that's inside of us. And so I want to talk to you this morning around the topic, get your buckets. Get your buckets. I want to read two passages of Scripture that will be kind of familiar to you as I preached this a while back, and I have read this um, before here, and I've actually preached out of these verses before. But I want to offer a little different perspective this morning. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 26, and I'm going to read through verse 29. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 3 and read a couple verses there. Starting in 26, it says this, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed onto the ground. 
He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. We good on that one? We good on that one? All right, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me read verses 5 through 7 this morning. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. Listen to this. I planted. This is Paul talking. I planted. Say Paul planted. Paul. Apollos watered. <laughs> it's always funny the thing you say after I say say this. It's like some people are like, are we supposed to say it? Are we not supposed to say it? So it's like, it's like the beginning of it's like Apollos, and it's like, is everybody else saying this? No. So I'm going to stop saying it right in the middle of the sentence. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Listen to this. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages accordingly. I think there's something to know in the kingdom of God, there is something very specific that you should know um, about the concept of seed. About the concept of seed. Are you with me this morning? You locked in, engaged? About the concept of seed. Anytime seed is mentioned in the whole Bible, it's very important that you pay attention. Jesus said this about seed. In the Gospels, in all three of the Gospels, Jesus teaches on seed in Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, and in Luke chapter 8. Those three, the synoptic Gospels. He teaches on those three. He teaches on seed in those three books. And he says this at the end of his teaching when he talks about seed. He says, if you don't understand this, you will never understand the kingdom. If you don't understand the concept of seed, you won't understand anything else that I say. And I think it's incredibly funny that he didn't talk about prayer when he said this. He wasn't talking about healing the sick. He wasn't talking about doing all the stuff that the charismatic church really just puts emphasis on. Right? He didn't say any of that. He didn't say, if you don't understand how to pray and heal the sick and cast out devils and speak in tongues and all of that, then you won't ever understand the kingdom. He says, if you don't understand the concept of a seed and how it works, you can't understand the kingdom. And so I believe that seeds are inside of all of us. Seeds are inside of all of us. It is the job of a leader, wherever people are, to see those seeds. It is the job of a leader to identify those seeds because you have to understand that if you don't water the seed in your life, God can never bring to full maturity 
that seed in your life. He can never, like if you have the seed of generosity, you have the seed of generosity on the inside of you, and you don't water that seed by being generous, you will never reach the full capacity that God wants you to be generous in the way that God wants you to be generous, right? And so I want to talk to you this morning about watering seed of culture in culture. I believe culture is the most important thing about any organization. Culture is the most important thing about any. It's the most important thing about any organization. And this is what people hate about culture building, should I say. Number one, it's hard work. It's hard work. Building culture requires difficult conversations sometimes. You good? I said the word difficult. It's okay. We're just in church this morning. It's okay if we talk about difficulty, okay? Culture is established and built by consistency. And it's built by consistently doing the right things over time. Listen, culture is not built when you have a one-hit wonder. Wow, yeah, yeah. That's what gets on my nerve. Yeah. That's what bothers me about when people go and plant churches and think, well, we can have a good church service. Awesome. That's not what building a church is. Having a good service isn't about, it's not your church. You have to build culture. You have to consistently do the right things and little things over time. And you have to be okay with someone saying, that's not up to par. I'm filtering this morning. The problem with culture building and the concept of seed and doing something consistently over time like watering seed, if you ever want to see it mature and grow, the tough thing about that is that we live in a culture that is anti-seed culture. It's anti-kingdom culture. We are aware of that, right? That we are in the kingdom of God and the culture that we live in is not the kingdom of God. That we're sent into culture to transform the culture. We're sent into darkness as a light. And the worse the culture gets doesn't scare me. It actually moves me towards it. Right? Because if you have a light, darkness, the darker it gets, the lighter you are. That's why, I have, that's why I have bones about certain theologies in the church. I have bones to pick about certain theologies in the church because certain theology says you should stay away from darkness. Jesus, when he went into darkness, transformed it with light. It wasn't the opposite. Jesus didn't become a sinner when he went and hung out among sinners. Jesus didn't change his character when people's character that he was around was flawed. Jesus wasn't a different person at this place and then a a person at this place. Wow, 
Jesus was a person of integrity that carried the fire of God into a culture and transformed it. A lot of times we wonder why we don't see cultural transformation. It's because this, we're two-faced. We have our kingdom suit that we put on. And then we have, let's see how close we can get to the edge. That suit that we put on. And that's not the Bible. Filter. (laughs) Filter. We want what we want in our culture and we want it now. That's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom works with you being consistent over time. Watering, grabbing your buckets and watering seed in your heart that you'll see manifest one day. That's the kingdom of God. It's not that you just go plant a church somewhere or you just go decide you're going to do something great for God somewhere and you wonder why it doesn't work out. I would actually say this. Every time something doesn't work out the way that it, the way that it was supposed to or the way that God intended it is because people didn't grab their buckets and water seeds. It wasn't because the worship team wasn't good enough. It wasn't because the pastor couldn't preach. We live in a church culture, you just hand anybody a microphone. Don't matter if they can preach or not. Don't matter if they live holy or not. You just hand them a mic. Throw them on the stage. We have to be faithful to water seed. We have to be okay with culture building and not us. This is, this is, I I was actually looking at something last night on Instagram. I was scrolling and I follow very few churches on Instagram. The reason why is, is because I don't want to be anything like the ones I don't follow. And I saw this guy standing on stage, and it said, 25 years of legacy. 25 years of legacy. Huge church in Memphis. And I thought about how many people like me and young leaders look at a picture with a bunch of people in the room, and they miss the graphic. And they compare year three to year 25. And they compare their year, they they compare their three years of watering to 25 years of faithful watering. And then young leaders get discouraged because of that. I get encouraged because I realize I'm not trying to blow up. I'm trying to slowly build. I'm trying to put one log on the fire at a time. You ever been to a bonfire and the person in the beginning, like, have you ever been to a bonfire with people who use gas? (laughs) Stay away from those, okay? I've seen many a people get set on fire. Physically, not good. Hospital, not good. And... It's always interesting to me how excited everybody is for the beginning of the bonfire, especially if you have gas, because it blows up really big. But it's also super interesting. It's not even very hot. 
Like you really couldn't even cook a steak appropriately. (laughs) But if you stay around for a while, things that were on the fire, they get hot and they start to burn and it begins to get hotter and hotter and hotter the longer that it burns. That's the way that your walk with God should be, by the way. Um, Yeah, you probably have this moment where you encounter him and it's like the world's on fire around you. But as you go, your passion for him should grow. It shouldn't diminish. Even it may look different. Right? And so culture is doing, building culture, establishing a kingdom culture is done by doing little things consistently over time well. Doing them well. And we hate the hard work that goes into culture building because it's not an instant gratification. It's not, an, it's not instantaneous gratification. Right? That's not the kingdom. It, nowhere in the Bible will you find someone who did anything significant that started with instant gratification. Like, you do realize that Noah spent 120 years of his life building something that only eight people were interested in. That's awesome. Gratification. People are showing up. Saved the world. It saved the world. And he was faithful to build it if there was eight or 800 and he wasn't waiting on somebody else to come along and set the atmosphere. He just set it himself. Right? That's like when people say, what kind of atmosphere do you need to worship? I don't need one. I set it myself. I don't need you to create an atmosphere for me. I'll create one for you. I'm the one, I'm the one raising the temperature. Right? I'm the one, I'm the one turning the dial. Right? You have to be careful how fast you turn it, though. I will say that. (laughs) In our culture, we focus on outcomes. We do not focus on process. We focus on outcomes. Do you know that since I've been the pastor, I will have no idea how many people are here today. And I do not care. Because I'm not focused on outcomes. I'm focused on creating an atmosphere, and that is a process. So when people ask me, how many people did you have at church? It is my honor to tell them I have no idea. (laughs) Because what they're wanting, it's a leading question. They're wanting to say, in their heart, they're wanting to say, well, we had more than them this week. Filter. In our culture, we focus on outcomes, not process. And the kingdom of God does not work that way. It works when you grab your buckets and you water seed over a long period of time. Time. Like, we want it and we want it now. Like, you've probably heard this before. We're a microwave generation with a crockpot God. You've probably heard that before. And it's true. Because if it requires consistency, it's just a bad thing. It's just a bad thing. The reason why people don't like being consistent is, with anything is because just 
let me speak plain to you for a second. It's a character issue. They can't consistently do anything. Right? Show up to church, show up to work on time. They can't consistently do anything. And so when you talk, start talking about consistency and longevity, and this is going to take longer than you think it will, people start getting a little, mm. and I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. Because <laughs> everything I read about in the Bible is built over time. And it's built over doing something consistently well over time. Because I don't look to culture for my strategy. And what my next assignment is. And what next ministry I should launch. And what we should be doing next. I ask the Lord. And I read the word. We often neglect seed in church because I said earlier we want this to be instant we want this to blow up instantaneously and we neglect the seed and we never see the fruit that's down on the inside of the seed because we didn't grab our buckets to water it You with me this morning? That's why the title of this is Grab Your Buckets. Because I want to give you some things that you can water this morning in your life to not just establish a kingdom culture here at this church, but in your home. Because if we get this into your homes, it'll just come to church with you. Right? If we get this in the hearts of moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, this could be something that you hand down to your kids that's worth more than anything you could do for them money wise. There's a kingdom culture that you're called to establish in your own home that is not the same as the culture that we live in, right? You do realize that coming to church isn't you putting on a mask. Coming to church actually is supposed to be you coming here to be vulnerable. I find this, people have trouble with vulnerability because they have things to hide. All right. Praise God. That was better than I thought it was. Preach, Pastor Cole. I'm going to preach to this uh, fog machine back here. Maybe it'll come on and give me an amen in a second. And don't y'all mash some button to make that come on, because I know y'all can't. If you did, that is a good note for uh, way down the road when there's tons of people here that never have heard that joke before. I'm going to preach to the fog machine, and you're going to make it come on, okay? As people who are trying to establish a kingdom culture in our lives that makes us different, what seeds does that require of us to water? That's the question that you have to ask. What seeds do I need to water in my life to establish a kingdom culture in my world? The first seed, you ready for this? 
some crazy revelation. You need to water the seed of your devotional life. You need to water the seed of your devotional life. How do you do that? Well, let me start. You need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. Can't believe it, can you? How dare the pastor say, read your Bible. I have noticed recently that in some of our questioning of what the Bible says, which I think is good, because you have to ask the Bible questions, there is an attack, really, on the validity of God's Word. Y'all good with that this morning? And people ask, what's the point of the Bible? Is the Bible infallible? Is the Bible the inerrant Word of God? Is it inspired? What is the Bible? What is the Bible? This is the Bible. The Bible is God's Word to us, and it infallibly, infallibly does exactly what it's supposed to do. The first thing that the Bible does for us is it reveals Jesus. That's the first thing the Bible does for us for transformation in our own lives. It reveals Jesus. The Bible, you could say, is our John the Baptist. It is the voice crying to you off of your coffee table. that you haven't opened in a while or on the app that you carry around. It's the voice crying to you to look at Jesus and to see Jesus rightly. You simply cannot separate your love from God, your love for God, apart from your love for his word. Because his word is how you see him rightly. And every time you open that book, you should be, Jesus will reveal himself to you in a new way. And that makes another way that you love God. Y'all with me this morning? I actually had a, a very unusual encounter that I don't even think I've told anybody about yet in the sauna uh, at National Fitness. I walk into the sauna, I have my headphones in, and I notice this man, old guy, sitting there in blue jeans, suspenders, a t-shirt, and he has a paper that he's writing on. He didn't have his cell phone in there. He has a paper that he's writing on. I strike up a conversation with him. His name was Tom, and strike up a conversation with him. And he says this to me. I haven't even told anybody about this yet, so this is the first time you're hearing this. He said this. The sheep in America are starving. And he says, it's because they don't have the word of God in their homes, in their hearts, and in our churches. And I was like, what do you do for a living? Because <laughs> that's he was like, well, I'm a physicist. I was like, great, awesome, sitting here with this smart dude. 
He also has a master's in theology. He called theology school the theological cemetery. (laughs) That's what he said. And he begins to rattle off the Bible, maybe like nobody I've ever heard. And he looked at me, he says, do you know it that well? And I was like, no, and I'm going to read it. (laughs) But he was asking me, he wasn't being facetious. He was like, how do we expect malnourished sheep to function in life? He's like, if you're malnourished, you can't do anything well. You can't love people well. You can't go to work well. You need the Word of God in your life. You need to read the Bible. Maybe if we knew His Word, the war that we have created against culture and the kingdom, so to speak, wouldn't be that big of a deal. Because you wouldn't be pulled by culture as much. Paul actually wrote something like this. He says, I crucified myself to the world. And the world has crucified itself to me. But what we do is, in the church in America, is we say, how close to the edge can I get of being worldly? Y'all like this this morning? Of being worldly and still being in the kingdom. I'm saying you can't do that. I'm saying you've got to crucify yourself. The gospel is not a self-help program. It's not a me time thing. It's a crucify yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Deny your flesh. It is always self-denial. It's always I have passion and lust in me that needs to die. It's always that I have desire to be connected to one kingdom that I still need to nail on the cross. Y'all good with that? It's the gospel. Jesus said, if you want to me, if you want to follow me, you've got to die. If you want to follow me, you have got to put yourself on the cross. That's what the word says. That's the Bible. And in our culture, it's, well, how can I go to the church that makes me feel the best about my dysfunction? And never talks about holiness. I've got a whole message on holiness I'm ready to preach. Just don't think it's time to pull that one out yet. (laughs) It's self-denial. This is what the Bible says about the Bible. You ready? Throw up Hebrews chapter 4. The Word of God. It's speaking about the Bible. Sometimes in the Bible, 
it speaks about the word in reference to Jesus. John chapter 1 says Jesus is the living word of God that come and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, right? It's talking about Jesus. It's not talking about the Bible. But this is talking about the Bible. This is talking about God's word to us. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing into the division of our soul and of our spirit, joints and marrow. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from this, his sight, but all are exposed to the eyes of him who we will give an account to. We get that. Y'all okay that that's in the Bible? We need to take that out. Hurt too many feelings. This is what happens. We don't rip scripture out of the Bible. We just don't talk about it. So we might as well. We might as well throw it away because we don't want to have to deal with that. Or really, what happens is, is we don't want that to deal with us. Well, anyways. The second thing that reading the Word does, the first thing was it reveals Jesus. The second thing is it reveals us to ourselves. I need God's Word to pierce my soul and to cut on me. I need God's word to shape and mold me into someone who lives and acts like Jesus. I need his word for that reason. If his, listen, if his word tells you that you shouldn't do it, you probably shouldn't. Right? Just gonna throw that out there. Probably shouldn't do that. Because. Here, here's what I have realized about people is that they want, the, they want the Bible not to address anything going on with them because we hate the process of self-denial. We want the Bible to conform to us in our hearts and we never want it to pierce our soul and we never want it to test our intentions, and we never want it to do any of those things because we like living on the line. We like living on the line. We like getting close to the edge. How close can I get? I saw someone who I know, they don't go to church here, so don't start judging me when I say this. No, it's none of you, okay? They, last night, they posted a, you know how when everybody goes to concerts these days, you don't even have to pay to go. Just follow them on Instagram. It, the whole thing will be on there. It used to be Snapchat when that was real bad. It's like y'all posted seven minutes of a concert into 15-second stories. That takes effort. Yeah. I ain't doing that. I thought it was interesting. I know this person. I'm probably going to call them on it at some point. Maybe. Who knows? I know them well. It's the reason why. It's the reason why I would call them on it. They're at this concert going crazy. Going crazy. Going wild. Insane. 
They come to church, and it's like, I'm just kind of afraid to lift my hands in worship. I'm kind of afraid to lift my voice, pray out loud, sing out loud. But you just went and don't have vocal cords now for some random dude that you're never going to meet. Or no, unless you pay $560 for backstage passes, and then you still won't know them. That's, why, that's what I mean by getting on the line. That's what I mean. When I say getting on the line, it's like, the gospel really is this. Lay your life down and follow Jesus. That's what the word lays out as the gospel. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. There's no and. There's no but. It's following Jesus. It's laying everything down and following Jesus. That's still the gospel. That's still the word of God. Are y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all tired of me preaching on the Bible? The reason why I think it's important to stay clear of things that the Bible warns you of is because I think God knows you better than you know you. And sometimes I don't need to understand why God tells me no. Y'all ever, like, ever grow up with parents, it's like, no, why? Because I said so. I want to say this. God has a reason behind telling you no. It's not because he doesn't want you to enjoy life. It's because he knows that there's harmful things that will dehumanize you and mar you and keep you from being an image bearer that his word calls you to be. So when Jesus asks for everything, that means everything. Yes. Yes. That means everything. The second seed that you can water in your life in the area of devotion is your prayer life. How do you pray? This is how a person pray. I start by thanking God. I just thank God. I just start thanking God. This is going to be the fun part of the message, okay? We got the hard part out of the way. Everybody relax, okay? I start by thanking God. I start in prayer. I thank God for everything that he's given me, everything that he's blessed me with. My heart becomes grateful to him. Everything that he kept me from, everything that I wanted but he had a better plan for, I, be, I thank God. I ask his kingdom to come and invade my world. And I ask for his will to be done in my life. Sound familiar? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I ask for forgiveness. I ask the Lord to forgive me for things. I repent. I repent for idolatry and things that I've held more sacred than his word and his presence. And it's like, well, how do you know that you hold that? Well, just follow their actions. Just follow your actions. 
Just follow your actions. Do you make time to spend with God? Do you spend time with God? That's the end of that one. (laughs) That's the end of that question. Do you spend time with God or not? And if you don't, you should start. It'll change your life. It's not just me getting up here and harping on reading the Bible and praying because it's just like, oh, you should read the Bible and pray. No, it will change your life. You will establish a culture in your heart that flows over into everything that you do that transforms everything that you do. I wish that I could talk to you about the environment that I grew up in. And now I can take you to my home and show you the environment that I live in. I wish I could show you the chaos and the turmoil that lived on the inside of me before I said, I'm going to do this the kingdom way. This is not about me dishonoring the way that I grew up. This is me saying, there is a more excellent way. And it's the kingdom of God. It's my kid being able to laugh. It's the peace of God in my house. It's that I go home to a safe place. It's that I'm comfortable. Joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. I pray for that to come into my life, and then I start in a time of intercession, right? How many of you, there's a famous book out there, you probably have heard of it before, it's called Intercessory Prayer. Dutch Sheets wrote it. Every human in the world has read it, okay? It's like, it's like in 40 different languages, 70,892,000,000 different copies, and everyone has a copy somewhere in your house, you just don't know it yet. I pray for this church. I pray for faces that I see in here. I pray for, sometimes uh, as a pastor, you know that we have, to, we have to look at how much money comes into the church because we have bills to pay. If I see names that have given to our church, I begin to thank God for them. I begin to bless them. I begin to, play, I begin to pray for blessing over their family. I don't look at the amount. I don't need to. I pray for other pastors in this city, like passionately. I pray that their wives and their families and their kids are taken care of. I pray that their churches experience the presence of God on Sunday. And then I pray for this church. I pray for my family. I pray for people that are important to me. I pray for issues that people say, hey, Cole, can you be praying for this? That's what my prayer life looks like, right? You should have time like this. You should have time like this in your devotional life. Last thing, you should water the seed of community in your life if you want to see the kingdom of God in a kingdom culture. Here's some things. This is going to be a real trendy one this morning. Okay, y'all ready? This one's for all the younger people in the room. (laughs) Here's some things that you can do to water the seed of community. You can deal with all the gas lighters in your life. 
Jesus says this in Revelation chapter 2. He says it like this. Do not tolerate Jezebel. We just have called them gaslighters in our generations. I still like to call them Jezebel. It's just more, uh, it just has more uh, to it. Gaslighters just feel so like passive. Jezebel is like, this is aggression. <laughs> if you want to see the kingdom of God in your community, you need to deal with the toxic people in your life. You need to deal with people who want to manipulate you, that want to control you, that want to buy you. You need to deal with those people. Here's how you do it. It's real simple. You say, hey, you've been doing this. If you want to remain in relationship with me, repent. And go repent to all the people that you've hurt. And if they say no, then don't tolerate it. Cut them off. Cut them off. You need, to, you need to know this. You need to know this for several reasons. You cannot establish a kingdom culture with Jezebel. Jezebel does not exist in kingdom culture. She ain't there. The people in the culture have decided to throw her out or him out because Jezebel is a spirit, right? It's not a person. It's a spirit. And what's so difficult a lot of times about dealing with the spirit, it's oftentimes in the person that you love. It's oftentimes in a person that cares deeply for you or says they do. I was listening to a pastor. He said it like this. He says, their spirit hates you. Their soul loves you. But if you don't deal with the spirit, it will kill you. And so if you wonder, like, in our church, yeah, we don't tolerate manipulation and witchcraft here. We don't tolerate Jezebel here. We won't ever. I'm not raising my kids in Jezebel's house. Sorry. <laughs> Don't care. That's right. Don't care. <laughs> it's, I'm serious about this. I refuse to invite people to church where Jezebel is. I'm not bringing you into a culture where you can be manipulated by toxic behavior. I don't want your kids in that culture. So if I'm here, they ain't going to be here. If you want to cause trouble, like here in this church, we'll just ask you to leave. Romans 15 says this. It says this, make it, it says this, it says, make it easy for those who are trying to come and encounter God. Yes, absolutely. Jezebel doesn't make it easy. Yes, come on, come on. So we've removed Jezebel. Yes, so good. Every single time. I don't care if they're a multimillionaire. See ya. It's so important to me. It's so important to me that you know as a church 
that I am very protective of the environment that we create here. You should be that way about the environment in your home. You should not allow people to manipulate you. You should not allow people to take control of your house. Men in the room, don't do it. Come talk to me after. I'll talk to you a little bit more plain of how you do that. Don't allow Jezebel in your community if you want to establish a kingdom culture. She can't stay there. Jesus said this, I'm going to throw her onto a sick bed if she doesn't repent. I'm going to throw her onto a bed of sickness. It's like, we're just asking you to leave. (laughs) Second thing that you can do. Well, let me say this. One more thing. You need to give them an opportunity to repent because you probably love that person and that person loves you and you need to set clear, hard boundaries. Second thing that you can do to water the seed of community, listen to this, this is good. You can be a trustworthy person. You can be a trustworthy person. Let me ask you this, can people trust you? Do the people in your community trust you? Do they trust you with things that they want to get vulnerable with? I've had conversations with people just this week that are just in a, in a really good place with the Lord. They just have questions. Yes. And it's like, nobody will ever know about those conversations. Right. Because I want God to know that he can trust me yes. with people's vulnerability. Yes. God spoke to me one time about things, people coming to me in confidence. He said this, how you honor the things told to you in confidence will determine what mysteries of the kingdom you will have the opportunity to steward. Here's why. Because if you can't honor someone's word in confidence, you can't honor his mysteries in confidence. So good. Are you a trustworthy person? Do people come to you and then you immediately go to someone else to discuss their issue? I actually have had people call me before with issues that I didn't know how to deal with. So I called, uh, I called Pastor Casey most of the time. <laughs> Just so you know, he's still on speed dial. <laughs> I call him. I say, hey, how, do, how would you deal with this? Never say a name. Right. Never say a name. Right. And he doesn't care that I don't say a name. Right. The Bible says this. Psalm 25 says this. It says this in one of the verses in there. I forgot which one, but it says this. My integrity protects me. My integrity protects me. Does your integrity, is it protection for you? Or is it a place of vulnerability for you? Because your integrity is either good or bad. Or wishy-washy, right? Which is bad. (laughs) It's not good. But does your integrity protect you? Can people trust you? Can people come to you in confidence? This is the last thing that you can do, Jansen. You can come on up and get on the keys. The last thing, the last thing that you need to water, the last thing that you need to grab a bucket and start watering, community, inside of community, 
you need to learn to extend trust. This is super hard for me. It's super hard for me. My personality doesn't naturally trust people. It doesn't naturally trust people. But that's not the kingdom. So my personality gets to die to itself. My Enneagram type gets to die. My Myers-Briggs gets to die. Because the reality is in the kingdom of God, you need other people. You need people. There There is no such thing as a spiritual lone wolf. No such thing. No such thing. There's no such thing as a spiritual lone wolf. You're just a vulnerable sheep. And I don't mean that in the political aspect that we've been talking about at this day. We are all God's sheep. Okay? We are all God's sheep. Being off by yourself in these weird places, not extending trust to people, is toxic. It's actually more harmful than it is good. You're not protecting yourself by doing that. And the reason why it's important to be trustworthy is because you reap what you sow. You want people that you can go to that you trust, that are trustworthy. And then when you find those people, you can begin to extend trust. I think it's important to know this. You should not just trust anybody. Right? Can I, can I be so bold as to say this? If we had everyone in this church sitting here today, you actually shouldn't trust every person in here. You're in community with them. You're in community with them. You are. You're in common unity around the person of Jesus going after the same thing. One of our core values here at Hope Unlimited Church, and I'm going to do a whole series on these, is family. You need to find people that you can be family with and that's the people that you trust. The Bible says this, he sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. Can you stand to your feet with me? There's a difference between community and family. You trust people that you're family with. You are going after the same thing of those that you're in community with. I know this was a little longer than usual this morning. I just had a lot to say about the seeds of a kingdom culture in your life and in your family. Your devotional life matters. Your devotional life matters. And your community matters. And if you need to take notes, you can go back. And if you didn't take notes this morning, you can go back and watch it online. There's some things that you can pour water on that you're going you're gonna to see a mature devotional life develop and you're going to see a mature community develop right before your eyes. If you'll just water the seed. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this house today. God, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. And Jesus... We ask that you would meet us this week in our devotional lives.
God, I pray that you would meet us in our bedrooms. God, I pray that you would meet us um, going down the road. God, I pray that you would meet us and interrupt our time watching Netflix. I pray that you would just come and meet us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your presence in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.